0: Let's pray, God. We thank you so much again for this morning, and I pray to Holy Spirit you would, that you would rain down on us now in the sense that we would hear from you, that we would that we would uh, hear the things that you want to say to us, uh, God. As we look into this topic of marriage and and looking at communication, I just pray that what you want us to hear, that you would cause those things to land in every relationship, in every heart. In Jesus' name, I pray. Amen. Well, today is day week two of our series. Uh, one and uh, we are going to go through a few more weeks of this where we're talking about marriage. And last Sunday we talked about the good news in marriage. And very often when one thinks about marriage or when you hear about marriage, uh, very very often what is talked about is all negative. You know, you would you would almost think that there was nothing good about marriage. So last week we talked about the good news in marriage, and there is a lot of good things. There's a lot of really good news about marriage. And so if you missed last Sunday, uh, I would encourage you to go listen to it online. It's either you can watch it or listen to it, and so I would encourage you to do that. Today we want to talk about something a little bit more serious. Uh, we want to talk this morning about communication and fighting. Now I know some of you, your, you know, your eyebrows kind of go up, and say, "What? Fighting? Couples aren't supposed to fight." Um, but my guess is that most do at least once or twice in their lifetime. And so we want to talk a little bit about fighting or conflict, whatever you want to call it, those, those difficult conversations. And I joined these two together because so often one is directly related to the other. Very often the fights, the arguments, the conflict that's caused is, is a result of poor communication or it's a result of something that wasn't understood right or wasn't said right. And so we're going we're gonna, to uh, dive in today and look at those things. So here's just a couple rules that we need to make before we get started. Husband and wives, I'm glad some of you are sitting apart. No elbowing each other whenever, you know, a point is made. It's like, yeah, that's you every time. You know, I don't need a fight in the middle of a sermon. That would be so inappropriate. Um, And so don't do those things. Um, Don't also give me the glare, you know, where you're looking at me and you're doing like one of these, like, you know, like keep talking, keep talking. I'm not going to. I'm sorry, Uh, you know. And uh, so I think we just need to have a few little rules like that. But... The other thing I think that's important is it's possible, because of what we're going to talk about today, it's possible that this is going to actually stir up some stuff in your marriage. Okay, and I don't do that on purpose, but I, the, the, the reality is that very likely you're going to go home and your wife or your husband is going to say something like, see, we need to work on that. And some of you are just going to die. And it's going to be like, no, let's just not. So there is that chance that maybe some of this is going to stir up some things in your relationship. And so, again, I just just throw that out there as a caution uh, that as you listen, that you just listen carefully and then also begin to very prayerfully consider if there are some of these things that maybe need some work that you would work on them together. And so let's dive in, let's dig in. Uh, I've made up a couple, you know, we're going to call them Joanne and Bob, and, uh, you know, because we would hate to pick on someone uh, in this church. And so here's here's Joanne, she has finished loading the dishwasher, she turns on the dishwasher and she walks through the dining room and she sits down beside her husband Bob. And she says this to him, did you have a good day at work? And Bob replies, "Uh uh-huh. Did you, uh, you know, the, the, uh, the thing that you ordered, did it come in? You know, you've been praying about it, did it come in? Uh-huh. Do you think some of the people that were laid off are going to the, get called back? Uh-huh. Did Johnny show you his report card? He got two A's, aren't you excited? Uh-huh. Okay, don't elbow each other. But this is often, and it's not always the husband, it's not always the wife, I think we all understand that. But this is often the, the, the level of conversation between a husband and wife. And I would say to you that this is a far too common. What they have, what their relationship is based around, or what their conversation is based around, is these yes-no question-answers uh, conversations. And I don't need to tell you, And if you've been married even for a short time, or if you're in a relationship with that kind of conversation, I don't need to tell you that that type of conversation is incredibly draining. Like a few minutes of that kind of conversation feels like it's a month long. You're sitting there going, I cannot ask another question and just get an uh-huh from them. And the other person's sitting there going, oh, please stop asking me questions. Because you're not really having a conversation. You're, you're having a yes-no kind of question-answer back and forth, and it is very, very draining. One study of clients who were undergoing counseling, these are people who were being counseled, found that 86% of them cited failure to communicate as their main problem. That's why we're talking about this this morning. And I would say I concur. When I meet with couples or when I'm listening to individuals, one of the things that I often hear, and I know even in my own relationship... One of the the things that's often the issue is the failure to communicate. So why is communication so often the problem? I think the answer is rather simple. The reason communication is so often the problem is because it takes a lot of work. If you're here today and you're like, oh, you know, we're husband and wife, we got married, we love each other. This will just kind of take care of itself. You may be shocked to find out just how much work, healthy communication thorough communication, full communication actually takes. And I think that for some people, you know, when they got married, or sorry, before they got married, their relationship was made up mostly of making out. And they didn't do a lot of talking. Not kidding. You know, they just very, very, you know, physically active and things like that. And so they didn't really communicate. They didn't really practice communication while they were dating. And now suddenly they're married and it's like, oh, the making out has kind of died down a little bit. Unfortunately for the guy especially, it's kind of died down. And they're sitting there looking at each other going like, we don't really know how to talk to each other. The other thing that I see is that sometimes couples, when they realize this is going to be hard... And we're not really good at it because most likely you're not good, you're not naturally good at communicating. Or if you are, the person you married isn't. And so suddenly you're sitting here going, oh my goodness, this is a lot harder than we thought it would be. And every time we try, we get into a big fight. So what the couple does then is they they communicate less and less and less because they want to avoid these fights. And suddenly here you have this, this couple who is, doing almost no communicating between each other because they did not think it would be so hard. So why is communication so often such a problem? Because it takes a lot of work. And we're going to look later on at some of the barriers that are, that are in, in, in a couple's life that may cause them to struggle with communication. But here's here's something that's, I think, really interesting. According to a study at the University of Nebraska by a man named Nick Stennett, if I'm saying his name right, he says, there are six qualities of a strong family, okay? Listen to these qualities. They are committed to each other. They spend time together. They have good family communication. They express appreciation for each other, have a spiritual commitment, and are able to solve problems in a crisis, There are two key ones in there that I think kind of overlap all the other ones. Number one is they spend time together and they communicate well with each other. And so communication is so, so important. And I think every single one of us would say, who wouldn't want a family with those kind of strengths? The goal is to develop communication that is open, honest, straightforward, caring, responsible, and in an atmosphere that is loving and accepting in ephesians chapter 4 verse 15 it says this instead speaking the truth in love we will grow to become in every respect the mature body of him who is the the head that is christ speaking the truth in love sometimes when we communicate we will need to say things in love or i should say always in love And sometimes the thing that we need to say is difficult to say. And so it's very, very important for us to speak it and to say these things in love. The goal of communication is to not simply say something or to be heard. Okay, the goal of communication between my wife and I, Maria, is not so that I will say something to her, she hears it, and yay, we've communicated. Or she says something to me and I hear it, and yay, we've communicated. The goal is to help the couple grow. To create a deeper relationship and understanding between the two people. It's not just so that information is passed from A to B. We want to do far more than that. We want that information. We want those emotions. We want those feelings that are communicated back and forth. We want to do that in order to create a deeper relationship, in order to grow and to have a better understanding of one another. And always exercising love is going to be required in order to do that. Because whenever something grows, there's, there tends to always be tension. And, there will, and almost every time, there will be some form of friction. So let's ask the question then, what is communication? What is communication? When we talk about communication, what are we talking about? Most people think that it is simply talking. But it is so much more than that. If you find yourself talking, but no one is listening you're not communicating. You know, I was talking to myself. Good. But if you're talking and no one is listening, you're not communicating. If you're talking, someone's listening, but they don't understand a word you're saying, you're not communicating. The easiest place to understand this is go to a different country where they speak a different language and you're talking to them and they're listening attentively, and then you come back and say, man, we weren't able to communicate because we couldn't understand a word that we were saying to one another. Because communication is speaking, listening, and understanding. And you speak in many ways other than just verbal, and we'll talk about that in a little bit. But I think sometimes in a husband and wife relationship, the husband or the wife may be speaking, the husband and the wife may be listening. But if you do not recognize that, yes, we understand each other's words, we speak the same language, but I don't understand the meaning behind those words. I don't understand the weight behind those words. I don't understand the feelings behind those words you will most likely look at each other at some point and say, why can we not seem to communicate? Because communication is so much more than just talking. Norman Wright defines communication this way. He says, communication is a process, either verbal or nonverbal, of sharing information with another person in such a way that he understands what you are saying. So communication is more than just verbal. It is also Nonverbal. One study has shown that 55% of communication is through body language. 55% of communication is through body language. 35% through tone of voice. 2% is intuitive. Yeah, 2% is intuitive. And only 8% is through words. And isn't it true that most of us, when we think of communication, are only focused on the words we will say. How am I going to tell my husband? How am I going to tell my wife this? What words should I use? And words are very, very important. But if 55% of communication is nonverbal, my guess is that probably a lot of us need to really consider learning to understand nonverbal communication. For example, if I was to be up here and I'm like really glad I'm here, you would hear my words, And you would understand my words. He said he's really glad to be here. But my body language says everything other than he's really glad to be here. You probably wouldn't believe me. Because you would automatically say he said one thing, but man, his body language says something completely different. And this happens so often in marriage where a husband and wife may be speaking words to each other. They're listening to the words. They're understanding the words, but they are not able to properly understand body language, and this is where some of the barriers begin to happen. So words are important, but also body language is important. But let's talk for a moment about words. One of the things that we can easily do, and I think it's easy for us to correct, is that we can easily misunderstand words that that someone says. So one little trick I found over the years is just to ask every now and then, what did you hear me say? And this is great whether it's giving instructions to your kids or you're, or you're talking to your spouse or you're talking to an employee, you may give this person all kinds of information, but then when you're done, you look at them and say, okay, what did you hear me say? And my experience has often been that they tell me what they heard me said, say and it was very, very different than what I intended to say. Now, either I misspoke or they didn't understand me correctly, but it's so important for us to understand the words that we say to each other. So I would, maybe that's something that you guys can practice from time to time in your marriage. I think this is so important that in marriage that we are very careful with the words that we say to one another. Proverbs chapter 12, verse 18 says, The word, uh, words of the reckless pierce like a sword, but the tongue of the wise brings healing. My guess is that most of us in this room have at one point or another been pierced by someone's words. Or we have found ourselves piercing someone else with our words. Words are very, very powerful. So it's important for us then to be very, very careful with the words that we speak and and how we listen and how we hear those words. So let's look for a moment at communication. Because communication is also listening. If 55% of communication is nonverbal it is important for us then to consider nonverbal communication. If 55% of what your spouse may say to you or or convey to you is through nonverbal communication, you may want to figure out or learn how to read their nonverbal communication. And if 35% of it is through their tone of voice, you may want to learn to understand the tone of voice which they use. Couples should learn to understand each other's body language because body language speaks much louder than the words in some cases. So here's just a few tips. When you talk or when you listen, make eye contact. Make eye contact with the the person because the eyes almost always give it away. Okay, make eye contact with the person. Look for hand gestures. Look for these slumping shoulders. Look for the nervous tap of the finger. Look for the hand over the mouth. Look for raised eyebrows. Some people have told me they're going to shave their eyebrows now so that I can't figure out what they're saying. It's like, oh, good grief. That already screamed something, you know. But, uh, you know, I think we want to, you know, this is going to sound weird, but when you're communicating with your spouse, you need to be watching for these things, and I think as you do, you'll suddenly begin to see that they may be communicating more to you than, you know, they, they, than they're just saying verbally to you. For example, someone may say something to you and then they, they kind of, you know, they, they're not sure or, or you're speaking to your spouse and all of a sudden you see this kind of this, like, almost like a weight that comes on them. And you're talking to them about their day and how was your day. And they're kind of, you know, as you're talking, they're, You can almost see that there's, you know, they may not know how to tell you. I, I, I was really hurt today at work. Something really big happened today at work, and I'm not sure I want to talk to you about it. But it, it often shows itself in body language. Now, in counseling sessions, it's a little bit different because you're there to do more, you know, counselor counseling and those kind of things. But so often, as I'm talking to someone, I will see little things that tell me that there's something else behind the words that they're telling me. These are kind of fun to learn, to watch for. And I would encourage you as husband and wife to practice learning to understand these things. So I think we should practice this um, in our relationship. Because sometimes the body language of your spouse may already tell you whether or not you should verbally bring something up. You walk into the room and and they're kind of stiff and putting things in place and and they look at you like, don't, you know. That's probably your hint. You know what, maybe not a good time to bring this up. Because the body language says I'm not having a good day today or whatever it may be. So here's, here's something I want to give you as a little takeaway. Listen with your whole body to the whole person. Learn to listen with more than just your ears. Listen with your eyes. Listen with your heart. Listen with your feelings. Listen to what they are feeling. Listen to, you know, the the energy that they're presenting. Listen with your whole body and listen to their whole person. They may be telling you verbally one thing, but their body language is telling you something else. So when you listen with your whole body to their whole person, very often I think we will be able to communicate to each other in a much, much clearer way. Words are important. Listening is important. Jesus says in Matthew chapter 11 verse 15, "Whoever has ears, let them hear." He's making it pretty clear that we should learn to listen. We will have to be willing to practice listening. Most of us in this room are not good listeners. Listening is harder than speaking. Listening is harder than speaking. Listening requires attention to the speaker. You need to give the speaker attention. So you can't be watching TV. You can't be on a device. You can't be, you know, doing something else. And yeah, 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 I can hear you. Sure, you can hear the person, but you are not listening to the person. And I say this with utmost respect. Maria has over the years a few times had to say, okay, put that down and listen to me. Now, she's not treating me like a baby. She's not talking down on me. She just recognizes, Ike, if you have that little phone in your hands or if if you're focused on that, put that down for a moment, look at me, listen to me. So important for us to learn because we are going to need to learn to practice listening. When you listen, listen with openness. Don't jump to conclusions. Don't assume you know what they will say before they say it. Don't already articulate your argument before you have fully Listened to what they, want, what they are saying to you. Listen with openness. Be willing to hear more than you think you are hearing. I hope that makes sense. Because this is one of those things, we, someone's like, oh, here we go, this talk again. Oh, we've been around this a hundred times, and here we go again. And they just close up. I am very guilty of this. So listen with openness. As the listener, be willing to respond. Don't just sit there like, okay, you got five minutes. Go. Be willing to respond as you're listening. For example, you may want to say things like, okay, hold on a second. What I'm hearing you say is this. And if this gives the speaker an opportunity to say, whoa, no, no, no. Okay, sorry, I didn't mean to, didn't mean to communicate that. Or maybe you want to say, do you mean that? Is this what you mean? Listen with Empathy, try not only to hear the words that the person is saying, listen for the feelings, listen for the tone, and be willing to respond as you're listening in order to fully hear and understand what the person is saying. Romans chapter 12, verse 15 says, Rejoice with those who rejoice, mourn with those who mourn. What a great verse, I think, when it comes to listening. This is a great verse in every way, but I think this could be a key verse for some of us. Okay, I'm going to rejoice with those who rejoice. I'm going to mourn with those who mourn. In other words, I am going to be aware of the emotion of the speaker in order for me to fully hear and understand what they are talking about. So let's look at a few barriers to communication. Every single husband and wife, every single boss employee, every single friend, it doesn't matter who the person is, there are barriers to communication. So I want to express or share just a little bit how difficult communication actually is because I really think that many of us don't think it's this complicated. So I'm about to complicate communication so bad that some of you are going to be afraid you won't ever know how to do it again. All right, you good? Here we go. Throw this on the screen. Check this out. There are eight steps involved in communicating. Here they are. Okay, we're going to start with the husband. And again, we're looking at this whole thing through the lens of marriage. What the husband intends to say to the wife. What the husband actually says to the wife. (laughs) And most of us already know those can be night and day. Okay. What the wife hears. Okay, just right there in three simple steps, what the husband intended to say and what the wife hears could already be your problem. What he meant to say, he didn't say, and what she hears, you never said. Because she's also listening through her own emotions, her her own experience. Then look at what happens next. What the wife says to herself about what she has heard. This is where it's so important for you to pause for a second and say, okay, here's what he said to me. Because you're going to be tempted to ask yourself, why did he say that? What does he mean by that? What happened at work today? Why is he talking like this? And you are communicating to yourself now about what he may have meant. And very often, very quickly here, we can get into uh, a lot of complication. And it goes both ways. Then the next one, what the wife intends to say back to the husband. She's heard him, she's now filtered it through her filter, and now she is intending to say this back to him, and then what the wife actually says to the husband, and again, it could be just as far off as with the husband, what the husband hears, and what the husband says to himself about what he hears, and then it jumps back to step one. Now, some of you are looking at me like going, oh my goodness, that's not true, but it's true. This, I would argue, happens every single time you communicate with somebody and it happens like this. You show up and someone does something, and sometimes you said, oh, you know, people will say, oh, I speak without uh, thinking sometimes. No, you have always thought through what you're going to say. You just didn't think it through properly. Because what you said took thought. What you said came from somewhere. Okay? And so I think it's very important for us to understand that sometimes the things that we intend to say may not be said the way we intended to say them. And so when you hear your spouse speak to you, maybe one of the things that you might say is, okay, hold on a second. What I heard you say was this, is that what you intended to tell me? And right there you may already be like, oh, I'm so, no, 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 sorry, that came out totally wrong. Right, let's back up again. And this is, this is one of those things that I think all of us need to work on. A major barrier in communication is the failure to adequately exp- and honestly express true feelings. For example, the person may say I don't care, but they care. When that happens, the listener has no way of interpreting what the speaker really means. Or the person may say it's not important when it is important. And again, if the honest if honest ex- feelings are not expressed, How can the listener respond accurately to an inaccurate emotion or feeling that was expressed? Here's something I just want to give you before we move on. If you've ever sat in a counseling with me, you've heard me say this. Feelings are always real, but they are not necessarily accurate. Feelings are always real, but not always accurate. This is important for you to remember because the husband may be over here and what he is frustrated with is why does she feel like that? All I said was this. And why is she feeling this way? Why, you know, the feelings are always real. So don't try to diminish the feelings. The feelings are real. The feelings can't be helped. They just come up. And the more you, you know, try to argue them away, the more feelings will come up. But what's so important for you to remember is that just because the feeling is there doesn't make that feeling accurate. For example, you may say, I feel like nobody likes me. You know, I just feel like nobody likes me. That feeling is real, but that feeling is not necessarily accurate. Or it's not accurate at all. I'm sure somebody likes you. There's no way that nobody likes you. But here you have this feeling. And I think in relationships, sometimes what happens is we try to tell the other person not to feel that. And all you do when you do that is create more feelings. And you need to know for that person, that feeling is real. You can't argue it away. But what they need to understand is just because they feel this way, just because what the husband said or the wife said made them feel a certain way, you need to exercise maturity and say, I may feel this way, but that doesn't mean it's accurate. So I want to be very careful how I act based on that feeling. I hope that makes sense. Another thing that I think is important to consider with your feelings is that if you are uncertain about your feeling. Express that to your spouse. Convey that. You know what? You might say something like, I'm not sure how I feel about this. And when you do that, it leaves room for the speaker and the listener to work together to understand the feeling. Another big barrier or one of the greatest barriers in marital communication is the failure to take time to communicate with one another. The failure to take time to communicate. You cannot communicate if you are not taking the time to talk and to listen and to spend time with one another. So in order to spend time together, you will need to make this happen. Couples, families that spend time together will learn to communicate clearer with each other. All right, so that's a little bit on communication. We could go on. I would love to go on. But I want to switch now a little bit more to the area of fighting or conflict, okay? And so you've listened maybe a little bit, some tips on, on how you can communicate Uh, certain things better. Let's look now for a moment about fighting and conflict in a marriage. Now, first thing I need to say, and maybe I don't need to say it, but I want to say it. I am not talking here about physical fighting. There is no room in a marriage for physical, you know, fights. There's just no space for that. But in a marriage, sometimes verbally or, or in other ways, we become you know, upset with each other and we begin to argue and we begin to fight or we have those hard conversations, whatever your, your thing is, Marie and I, we just call them fights. You know, we, we are fighting. We're upset with each other. So let me just, a few thoughts on fighting because I think that conflict in a marriage is not a bad thing. I think conflict can actually be a, a positive thing if it's done right. So here's just a few thoughts on, on fighting, okay? We're going to call it that. Okay, number one, fight for the marriage not for the individual. When the conflict is happening, when the fight is happening, make sure that you are fighting for your marriage to win, not for the individual to win. Husbands, if you are in that fight to win, to prove her wrong, you may win the fight, but you will lose in the marriage. Wives, if you are in this thing to prove him wrong and to win the fight, you will probably win the fight but the truth is your marriage will lose. So if you're going to fight, fight for the marriage. Make sure that at some point maybe you can call a timeout and say, well, "Hold on a second. Are we both aiming to make our marriage better or are we both in this to prove each other wrong?" And if you're in this to prove each other wrong, you may want to seriously consider compromising or looking at how you can continue this conflict in order for the marriage to win. Another key thing is timing is everything. Learn when to have those big talks. If you've been married even for a short time, you already know the topics, you already know the buttons that you can push that will set your spouse off. Okay, so timing is important. Timing is everything. And if you don't pick your timing well, something that could be a minor confrontation now suddenly becomes this blown out of portion thing only because the timing wasn't good. So your husband is stressed out. He's in a hurry. And you're like, oh, by the way, honey, before you go, we need to talk about this. And he's like, I don't have time for that. What do you mean you don't have time? And the way you go. And suddenly what you actually realize is now we're having an argument about something that isn't even the topic that we initially needed to talk about. Timing is everything. Respect. Always show respect. I don't care how upset you are with each other. Exercise respect. Avoid accusations. Yelling. Blaming. Talking down to the person. Be respectful. You can be Red faced mad at your spouse, and you can be respectful. Okay, so I don't think I need to say more about that. I think that's pretty straightforward. Exercise respect no matter how you feel. Another one that I think is really, really important is learn or know when to quit. Sometimes you just need to call it time, you know, call a timeout. Sometimes you just need to learn when to quit. Now, I know that there's this thing out there, you know, do not go to bed angry. But I'm not talking about, you know, lack of forgiveness or those sort of things. But I'm talking about sometimes it is getting past 11 o'clock. We have been around this thing now time and time again. We are both maybe not in the right mood. And you just agree to say time out for a bit. Let's pick this up another time because we are not making any progress. Learn when to quit. The other way of looking at this is there are times when you need to stop bringing something up. Maybe you and your spouse, you had an altercation, you had an argument, you had a debate, and you forgave each other, and you settled it, but one of you can't let it go. And you keep bringing it up. Oh, this is just like last time. Oh, here we go again. Learn when to quit. Sometimes you just need to say, you know what, we settle that. It maybe wasn't settled exactly how we would like it, but we're going to leave it be. Learn when to quit. Along with that, though, comes the next one. Don't avoid the hard talks. Don't avoid those conversations that need to happen. You'll remember last week we said very often it's the little things that cause the most problems in a marriage. And what do I mean by that? Sometimes that little thing, when it's not dealt with right or when it's mishandled, suddenly becomes this big issue. So don't avoid those hard talks. Don't wait to have that talk until there's all this baggage attached to it. Your spouse does something that you don't appreciate or your friends do something that you don't appreciate. Your boss does something that hurts you or whatever it may be. There are times where it is better to have that hard talk early than later. So don't avoid those hard talks. The longer you wait at times, the more intense the conflict can get. So don't avoid those um, those difficult talks when they come. Here's one that's, you know, may be difficult to do, but I think it's important. Agree to disagree on some stuff. Agree to disagree on some stuff. There may be some things that you're going to, you know, look at as a husband and wife, and you're just going to say, you know what, this is probably something we will never agree on. And without sharing any details, Maria and I, we have a few of those things in our relationship. They are just things that if we had to do it this way or this way, we will not agree. One of them was that I can share here is she When we were first married, she had this box of Christmas ornaments that she thought were very valuable and wanted to hang up on our Christmas tree. And it was like, what is that garbage? She's like, that's my Christmas ornaments. This is very meaningful to you. And they should be meaningful to you. Let's hang them up. Look at this prize stuff we have. And I'm like, that looks like some garbage that someone dropped off at our house by accident. And she's hurt. And we finally just had to agree to disagree that she thinks it's valuable and I don't. And we got to tread lightly around those things. So if you have some of those things in your marriage that you're like, we're just going to agree to disagree, then also agree to be very respectful on that topic or around that issue. And then the last one I want to share with us is this. And I've never spoken publicly about this, and this is something that I I think I've just kind of put together over the years of, of working with people, and that's this. Don't communicate only emotion and don't communicate only information. Don't communicate only emotion, and don't communicate only information. Typically speaking, the, the woman will communicate emotion, and the man will communicate information. Let me give you an example of what this may sound like. Okay, the husband comes home late, and the fight sounds like this. He walks in the door, and he says, sorry I'm late. My boss made me stay late today. Okay, information. She replies, I've been worried sick. I thought you may have died. Why didn't you call or text? All emotion. He says, I was driving, lots of traffic. You know it's against the law to text when I'm driving. She says, this is the third time this month and I'm sick of it. He says, it's busy at work. What do you expect? She replies, so work's more important now? He replies, that's not what I said and you know it. And her response to that is, we never spend time together anymore. And we went from Mr. over here with here's the information on why I'm late and why I did what I did. And she's over here. Here's how I feel about what you did and what you didn't do. And here's the reality. They are speaking right past each other. Now, you don't understand all that that's okay because I may not be communicating it very well but this is something that I'm seeing in my own life this is something that I see in a lot of people when I'm listening to them and when I'm talking to them is one of them is only communicating information and he's over here going I told you what happened and he has no regard for how she may feel about what happened so he's saying, well, I was late, I'm sorry, boss made me stay late, not my fault. That's the information. And he's completely clued out that she was worried, that, she's, that she doesn't like it, or that she feels, you know, maybe somewhat, you know, uh, neglected or whatever it may be. She, on the other hand, is over here communicating only how she feels about what's happening without properly understanding the information. And they're not communicating both To each other at the same time. So I'm not good at this, but let me try to give you an example of how this could have maybe played out in a more healthy way. He comes home and he says, Sorry, I'm late. I'm sure you've been waiting for me. My boss made me stay late. I hope you haven't been too worried. Okay, again, I'm not good at that, but here's what I'm trying to convey He recognizes the information, he tells the information, but he recognizes her emotions. He recognizes her feelings. He recognizes, you know what, I know I'm late, but I'm sure that because I was late, you were worried. Her reply is, I have been worried. This is the third time this month. How long do you think you'll be busy like this? She expresses her emotion. Yes, I was worried. But then at the same time, she communicates information. How much longer do you think this is going to continue? And when a husband and wife learn to communicate both emotion and information at both, from, from both people, I truly believe that they will learn to communicate much clearer to one another. Because here's what I'm going to most likely hear every one of you men at some point say. I told her why I was late. And she flipped out. I don't know why she flips out. Every, you know, I told her that I was going to this thing. I told her I was going to do this. And she's all upset with me. Well, I don't get it. She's over here. I feel like he doesn't care. And I tell him, I don't, you know, you make me feel this way. You make me feel this way. And here is husband and wife, and they are talking right past each other. So men... It's important for us to practice, and again, I know this is not only a you know male-female. It's important for us to practice this. That when we communicate, that we will listen to the emotion that our our wife may be experiencing or having. So that when you communicate, you take that into your, your communication, you take that into thought as you communicate with her to the wife. You need to also recognize this is the information, and so the, your feelings are based on the information, and, it's, and so it's important for you to communicate information back to him. You can't just say, I feel like you don't care. You may need to say, I feel, you don't, I feel like you don't care because these and these things, information, whatever it may be. Again, this is, this is one of those things that I think as you begin to practice it, it will become more and more clear. As you do it. So we've said a lot this morning, and I want to give you one more verse, and I think this could be the key verse when it comes to communication. Philippians chapter one, verse twenty-seven: Whatever happens, conduct yourself in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ. Whatever happens, conduct yourself in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ. So here's here's the, just the the realities. You're going to leave here. And you're going to have conflict. You're going to leave here. And there's going to be some tension in communication. There's no way to avoid that. So let's just commit ourselves. And regardless of where we may find ourselves with our spouse and the conversations, the you know, misunderstandings and all, all that stuff, that no matter what happens, that even in our conflict, even in our tension, we will conduct ourselves in a, ma- in a manner worthy of the gospel, let's pray. God, we've talked about a lot of stuff today, and I pray that as we leave here, that we would um, just trust in you, Holy Spirit, to speak to us, and that those things that need to take hold in our lives, that you would cause them to land in the proper places. Father, I pray that as we go from here, that every single one of us that is that is married, and those that are aiming to be married. That we would strive to communicate in such a way that we are building the relationship up. That we are growing in a deeper way. We thank you for what you will do. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. God bless you. Have a wonderful day.